developing story now. Authorities say it could take weeks until they determine the motive behind the Christmas Day bombing in Nashville. The bomber has now been identified as 63-year-old Anthony Warner. He died in the blast. Investigators say DNA from the scene matched DNA from a glove and a hat found inside a vehicle he owned. Nashville police posted this video of the explosion. Officers say they heard a warning from a speaker in the RV. It said, evacuate now, there is a bomb. The blast injured at least three people, damaged dozens of buildings, and knocked out wireless service in and around the city. Sometimes a suicide is just a suicide. Hi, this is Phil Gursky of Borealis Threat Risk Consulting, and you're listening to Quick Hits. Well, it is now December the 29th, uh, four full days after the explosion in downtown Nashville, Tennessee, where an RV, a recreational vehicle, apparently packed with explosives, went off very early in the morning in the downtown core, causing substantial damage to an AT&T hub, as well as to local businesses. But thankfully, uh, because of two factors, no one was killed. There were three people injured to some extent. What were those two factors? One, it was at old dark hundred in the morning on Christmas. So no, no one would have been out and about anyway. They'd all be probably gathered around the Christmas tree opening presents if they were even awake at that time. And secondly, the perpetrator of the act actually had a recorded warning saying that a bomb was about to go off, thereby warning people, uh, giving law enforcement and other agencies plenty of time to get the word out and evacuate whomever may have been in the area at the time. So as I said, uh, only three injuries so far, some substantial damage, but thankfully no deaths. As I have written and talked about a little bit in the past couple days, uh, still waiting for some kind of ideas to why this took place. We have a name. The law enforcement are fairly certain based on the DNA they found from a body, whatever was left of the body, uh, in the RV, a man named Anthony Quinn Warner, uh, 63 years old from Tennessee, appears to have been the man in the RV, and it looks like he was the one behind the explosion. Know a little bit more about him. Uh, as I said, he was 63 years old. Apparently, he may have had cancer. Whether that was terminal or not, it remains to be seen. He recently gave away uh, a car to uh, a friend, uh, saying he had cancer. And, and perhaps the most interesting thing we've learned so far was in the days preceding the explosion on Christmas Day, he talked to a neighbor and basically said, yeah, Nashville and the whole world is going to know all about me. The neighbor didn't really think eh, too much about this. He thought, oh, maybe he won the lottery. Maybe he's, you know, done something which is going to gain some fame. Uh, not thinking, and I don't think any of us would go there either, that he would pack his RV full of explosives and carry out uh, an explosion in the downtown court. The investigation is still ongoing. Law enforcement are cautioning against jumping to conclusions about this one. It does not look at least so far like an act of terrorism. All the tweets and social media posts notwithstanding, all kinds of people weighing in on this one, whether it's terrorism or not. I also have uh, said a few things about it. I'm leaning against an act of terrorism, but I want to explore that a little bit more today. I was in conversation with a, with a friend of mine, uh, Simon Conti from the UK. He's a professor uh, at Kent University, I believe. And uh, watch for him to join me in a future podcast on some of his work on Islamist extremism in the Caribbean. And he was talking about this notion of, you know, sort of 
suicide attacks that aren't really terrorism in nature. And he did uh, provide me with a citation that I want to share with you. It's a paper with by a man called Biggs. It was published uh, way back in 2005 in a volume by Diego Gambetta uh, looking at terrorism. And it was Dying Without Killing, Self-Immolation. And I couldn't read the paper because it's, it's behind a paywall, unfortunately. But this does raise the interesting issue about whether or not uh, what was clearly a bombing, I mean, the, the RV did go boom, right? It caused damage in downtown Nashville. It clearly appears to have been a suicide. The person behind it did die in the bombing. Ergo, it was a suicide bombing. Although, as I noted before, we tend to associate that term with terrorism. But can this be construed to be an act of terrorism? In one way, maybe. So let me cite for you the Canadian Criminal Code, which I'm fully aware does not apply in Nashville, Tennessee. But in Section 83.01 of the Canadian Criminal Code, it does talk about a serious act of violence which causes substantial property damage. But here's the key point here. That substantial property damage has to be the result of a serious act of violence that does one of two things. It either tries to further a political, ideological, or religious cause, or is meant to intimidate the public. I'm not sure either of those apply here. To date, there is absolutely no indication that Mr. Warner, whatever problems he may have had, whether he had terminal cancer, uh, whether he was bored, whether he wanted to have his Anthony, you know, his uh, Warhol, Andy Warhol's 50 Minutes of Fame, I have no idea, does not appear to have been tied to any ideology, any political cause, or any religious motive, crusade. So you, you can throw that one to the side for now. Secondly, uh, I don't think he was trying to intimidate the public. If he was, he wouldn't have given a warning. He would have carried out the attack uh, at noon, on, I don't know, Christmas Eve, or on Boxing Day. Mind you, during COVID-19, Boxing Day isn't what it used to be with those massive sales and massive discounts. But still, intimidation means you're going to do something that's not just going to get you attention, but causes people to fear. I don't think that's there either. The second thing that Simon Cotty reminded me of is this interesting notion of sort of a symbolic act of, of suicide. And he provided me with the example that I remember, kind of, um, the uh, Vietnamese Buddhist monks who would engage in self-immolation. They would basically burn themselves to death uh, in, in a very public way to protest against the Vietnam War. And more importantly, the presence of U.S. forces in there. There are some absolutely horrendous photos taken by journalists way back in the 1960s. So I, I said I kind of remember it because I was like you know five, five years old when the Vietnam War was at its height. So I don't really remember it but I have seen the photographs. And these are definitely acts of protest, but they are not tied to an ideological cause. And despite the fact that they're Buddhist monks, they're not religious violence. Are they political in nature? I guess, but they certainly weren't to, trying to intimidate the public. So you wouldn't have called what the Buddhist monks did in Vietnam in the 1960s acts of terrorism. They were acts of protest. Where does this leave us with respect to what happened in Nashville? Again, we have a little more information than we've had over the past couple of days, but I don't think we're anywhere close to calling this an act of terrorism. This appears to be one man's efforts to end his own life, 
in a rather spectacular way. I mean, blowing yourself up to bits in an RV in a downtown core of a major U.S. city sounds like a pretty spectacular way to me. And yet, there is nothing to suggest that he did so to either intimidate the public or to further a cause. Ergo, we still can't call it terrorism as of midday on December the 29th. One further thing I do want to comment on. Again, a lot of social media has come out with this. I did see even a post about someone suggesting that the attack in Nashville should make U.S. officials aware of lone actors' suicide bombings. Bullshit. U.S. authorities are already well aware of the phenomenon of lone actor attacks. We've seen it all through Europe. We've seen it here in Canada. We've seen it in the United States. We've seen it all over the world. What happened in Nashville, which does not appear to be an act of terrorism, has nothing to do with lone actor terrorism. Yeah, it's sure it's possible that what happened may inspire others. There are copycats all the time. We see that people who either aren't very bright or aren't very original say, hey, I can do that. And they follow in the footsteps of what they just what they just witnessed. But we have to be really careful not to draw a line between what happened in Nashville and what has happened all too frequently in the guise of lone actor suicide terrorism. Those links aren't there. What I'm what I'm fearing here, I pick on this notion of fear for a second, because that's what terrorism is, right? Terrorism is it causes fear. What happened in Nashville may have been terrifying, but it wasn't terrorism. The goals of terrorism go well beyond causing fear and causing terror. Lots of things are terrifying. Sharks are terrifying. Spiders are terrifying. Crocodiles are terrifying. But crocodiles, sharks, and spiders are not terrorists. And what I'm worried about is that in some of the reporting I've seen, some of the social media posts, is that they're raising the specter that what happened in Nashville should be seen as a terrorizing moment. And if I can paraphrase or actually directly quote the Second World War U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, it will all be after fear is fear itself. And I think if we go down this pathway of talking about the Nashville attack as an act of terrorism, we do raise people's levels of fear. We make them afraid of all kinds of things. And that's simply not helpful. Anyhow, that's what I think. But before letting you go today, I'm going to introduce a new feature to my Quick Hits podcast. It's a bit of fun. I like to have a little bit of fun once in a while. So I'm going to introduce from here on in a quote from a series of books that I read as a child, uh, The Hardy Boy Mysteries. I'm not sure how much of my audience has ever heard of The Hardy Boys. Here they are. And uh, I read them all as a kid. So the Hardy Boys, for those who are not familiar, were two teens, Joe and Frank Hardy, who were the sons of a world-famous detective named Fenton Hardy. And to quote this 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 book of, of sayings I want to share with you, let me just, just, just cite one thing. The, the boys span the globe, taking on sneak thieves, saboteurs, terrorists, and troublemakers while keeping their hometown of Bayport safe. This is a little book I picked up years ago, and it's the Hardy Boys' Guide to Life. Little snippets that, you know, lessons for how to do things properly based on this on the series. There were some, I don't know, 50 or 60 books in the Hardy Boy series. I used to have them all as a child. Uh, don't have them anymore, unfortunately. And I'm going to share with you one snippet per Quick Hits going forward. Things to think about to keep your life safer and to do things more wisely. 
So, here is lesson number one from the Hardy Boys. This comes from the Hunting for Hidden Gold book. And here it goes. Never jump into a taxi cab conveniently parked right in front of the house you're being held captive in. Sager words were never spoken by anybody else. Anyhow, what do you think of the podcast? Do you agree with me on what's happened in Nashville? Are we going down the wrong path by calling it terrorism? Was it simply a spectacular suicide, as I think? Let me know. You can reach me on Gmail or gmail.com or on Twitter at BorealSaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content want to get more, go to my website, borealisrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button, provide your email address. You'll get free daily digests as well as unique material for subscribers free of charge to your inbox. Hope to hear from you. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.